Welcome to the Small Business Commission meeting on May 22nd, 2023. The meeting is being called to order at 4.30 p.m. This meeting is being held in person in City Hall, room 400, and broadcast live on SFGov TV and available to view online or listen to by calling 415-655-0001. The Small Business Commission thanks Media Services and SFGov TV for televising the meeting, which can be viewed on SFGov TV 2 or live streamed at sfgovtv.org. We welcome the public's participation during public comment periods. There will be an opportunity for general public comment at the end of the meeting, and there will be an opportunity to comment on each discussion or action item on the agenda. For each item, the commission will take public comment first from people attending the meeting in person, then from people attending the meeting remotely. Members of the public who will be calling in, the number is 415-655-0001. The access code is 2609-605-9462, followed by 7221. Press pound and then pound again to be added to the line. When connected, you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star 3 to be added to the speaker line. If you dial star 3 before public comment is called, you'll be added to the queue. When it's your time to speak, you'll be prompted to do so. Public comment during the meeting uh, is limited to three minutes per speaker. An alarm will sound once the time has finished. Speakers are requested but not required to state their names. SFGov TV, please show the Office of Small Business slide. Today we will begin with a reminder that the Small Business Commission is the official public forum to voice your opinions and concerns about policies that affect the economic vitality of small businesses in San Francisco. Before item one is called, I'd like to start by thanking Media Services and SFGov TV for coordinating this virtual hearing and helping to run the meeting. Please call item one. Item one, roll call. Commissioner Carter? Here. Commissioner Dickerson is absent. Commissioner Gregory? Here. Commissioner Herbert? Here. President Huey? Here. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena? Here. Vice President Zazunas? Present. President, you have a quorum. Thank you. Present. The San Francisco Small Business Commission and Office of Small Business staff acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As indigenous stewards of this land, and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatushaloni have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatushaloni community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Please call item two. Item two, San Francisco Metropolitan Transportation Authority presentation. This is a discussion item. The commission will learn about and discuss SFMTA's new extended meter hours policy, plans for outreach, et cetera. Presenting today, we have Ted Graff with SFMTA. Thank you very much for coming today, Ted. Thank you. Uh, I'm joined today t- with uh, by Andrew Buffa with our uh, Chief of Staff Office. My name is uh, Ted Graff. I'm the Director of Parking Operations um, and Curb Management for the SFMTA. Uh, we're here today to talk about a project to moder- modernize San Francisco's parking meter hours. 
This project, which the SFMTA board directed staff to pursue and it approved the agency's budget back in April of 2020. The pandemic, pandemic intervened, but our board urged us to bring this project back today because there's an urgent need for the SFMTA to generate revenue, which this proposed project would do. Before I get into the presentation, I want to let you know that I hear you. Supporting San Francisco's businesses and the city's economic recovery is top priority for us. We would not have proposed extended parking meters if we did not believe it would be good for San Francisco businesses. We also support President Peskin's resolution. An economic analysis is a good idea. And we've heard your concerns. We know you're concerned about parking for your employees. We know you're concerned about the rollout plan. But we'd like to ask you to also hear our rationale for modernizing the parking meter hours, <clears throat> which, are going, which we are going to briefly lay out in this presentation today. Extending parking meter hours is difficult. People don't like to have to pay for something they used to get for free. They also, there are also a lot of misconceptions about the, how this change is gonna impact our city, and not many people know about the benefits of extending the meter hours. We're gonna cover this information in the presentation today. Still, there will be a lot of objections to this policy change, and extended meter hours is exactly the kind of decision the architects of the SFMT were thinking about when they made sure we had an independent board of directors. Modernizing parking meter hours by extending them to evenings and on Sundays makes good policy sense. Meter hours should reflect the business hours, <clears throat> and they are the best tool we have to encourage turnover and create parking availability. Parking meter hours in San Francisco have remained largely, largely unchanged since the 1950s, when stores were closed in evenings and on Sundays. A lot has changed in San Francisco. When parking meter, meters are operating, it makes finding parking space easier. Easier parking means less circling, less congestion, less air pollution. And extended parking meter hours raises funds that are needed to support Muni. Public transit is an essential to a vibrant and functioning city. Muni is facing a large budget deficit, as are all Bay Area transit agencies. We're facing a $130 million deficit in fiscal year 2025. That's the monetary equivalent of more than 20 Muni lines. Without additional revenue, Muni service will have to be scaled back, which is the opposite of what San Francisco needs for its economic recovery. Cuts like this would be devastating to the nearly 400,000 people who rely on Muni every day. 57% uh, of riders are people of color, 70% of riders make less than $50,000 a year. SFMTA is pursuing other sources of funding, such as gap funding from the state. We're also limiting our hiring to priority and operational positions. Revenue from extended parking meters hours can partially help fill this gap. A major misconception is that extending parking hour meters will hurt, will hurt local businesses. In fact, this policy helps local businesses. Demand for, demand for on-street parking is highest in the evenings and on Sunday when parking meters are currently free, which results in parking occupancies that are often higher than 100% because of double parking. Providing a monetary cue to pay the meter encourages stall turnover, which makes parking spaces more available so it's easier for customers and employees to find parking. These customers and employees will spend less time circling and looking for parking. Everyone in San Francisco can think of a neighborhood where they can't find parking in the evening. This policy will change that, and people will return to neighborhoods once, uh, they once avoided. If President Peskin's proposal moves ahead, and we hope it does, we'll have an analysis of the economic impact of this policy, which will be helpful for everyone. 
There are already some studies of the impact of extended parking meters in San Francisco and Seattle. San Francisco studies done before and during the time we had Sunday meters in 2013 showed that extended parking meters made parking spaces more available and re reduced time for drivers spent, drivers spent circling for parking. In Seattle, where parking meters were extended in the evening in 2011, Sightline Institute studied the impact on these businesses. They found that after paid parking hours were extended in Seattle, gross revenues for restaurants went up by 5.4%. Extended parking meters also benefit people who get around on meeting, walking, or rolling. These folks also are business customers. Modernizing parking meters will improve muni speed and reliability because of less congestion and less double parking. For pedestrians, people who ride bikes, scooters, wheelchair users, extended parking meter hours increases street safety. It reduces double parking, circling, which all present hazards to road uses. It reduces the amount of distracted driving, which can result in car crashes. And it will provide funding, Muni, so funding for Muni so the service doesn't have to be cut. In extended parking meeting hours, San Francisco will be joining numerous cities in California and other states that have already have extended hours. This slide shows a partial list. San Francisco already has evening meters in Fisherman's Wharf, the Embarcadero, South Beach, South Beach Mission Bay, and on 18th Street in Petrero Hill. This slide describes our proposed plan. We plan to extend meters into the evenings on Mondays through Saturdays. Previous meter hours were 9 to 6. The new hours would be 9 to 10 p.m. This would align with the hours of restaurants, bars, and other businesses which stay open past 6 p.m. We are also proposing to operate meters on Sunday. Sunday hours would begin later in the day to, to align with demand. The Sunday meters would run from noon till 6 p.m. There would be no time restrictions during the new meter hours, so no one parked at the meter would have to uh, leave to pay the meter, leave a church service, a work shift, uh, or a restaurant dinner to feed the meter. Demand responsive pricing, our data-driven method for changing rates based on actual parking demand will continue. At the outset of the program, evening meter rates would start at the same 4 to 6 p.m. rates, and Sunday rates would be the same as the Saturday rates. Implementation be done in phases, starting as early as July 23, and continuing through December of 2024. We have forecasted this policy would generate an additional $18.5 million in gross revenue to fund Muni. We are proposing to extend meters in phases beginning as, as early as July this year and continuing through December of 2024. This slide shows the neighborhoods that will be affected by the first two phases of the project. These neighborhoods were extended, or uh, these where extended hours were rolled out in the Fisherman's Wharf and Dog Patch area first. The reason these neighborhoods were going to be first is because they are already accustomed to extended meter hours. Meters in Fisherman Wharf would operate seven days a week from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Meters in Dog Patch operate in evenings or on Sundays whenever there is an event at Chase Center. Additionally, we're in the process of replacing and upgrading every parking meter in the city. The phasing in of extended meter hours follows behind the installation of these new meters which will have bigger, brighter, and easier to use screens. They also operate in English, Spanish, Chinese, and are more resistant to vandalism. To take into account historic inequities in San Francisco, implementation will come to lower income neighborhoods whose residents are predominantly people of color last. Not because it'll hurt businesses in these neighborhoods, but because it will require adjustment both for businesses and community members. The following three phases of rollout will continue until spring of 2024. And the final phase of the rollout will be implemented in the second half of 2024. 
We began outreach about extended meter uh, hours in the spring of 20 when our, bird, our board first approved the policy. At the time, we met with about 20 merchant associations in the city. We know that was a long time ago. Now we're initiating another phase of outreach to educate community members about the need for this policy. Our outreach and education efforts will include meetings with merchant groups, neighborhood groups, uh, prior to implementation, a public education campaign with outreach to media in multiple languages, updates to the SFMDA website, blog posts, on-street signage such as the graphic shown on this slide, social media outreach and paid buys on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok. We will also not issue parking tickets on day one. Enforcement officers will be leaving notices for at least the first few weeks. We understand the phasing may be adjusted as we go through this outreach process. And the initial implementation may be somewhat delayed as we allow the city to conduct an economic analysis of the program. I really appreciate you listening. I know this is a difficult topic. I look forward to hearing any comments, questions, or ways we can roll this out in a smooth way. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ted. Commissioners, any comments or questions? Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Thank you, Mr. Graff, for the presentation. Um, I have a series of questions, so bear with me, and I appreciate you in advance. I know this must not be easy, but thank you. Um, just initially, especially coming from the mission and, and our historical non-communicative ways with SFMTA, where was this idea birthed? Who birthed it? And what was like the equity matrix as you guys devised this plan? So originally in early 2020, this plan was uh, discussed as a way to, um, as I mentioned, uh, reduce circling, reduce uh, uh, the pollutions in the air, uh, and to create availability on the curb. Parking meters are our best tool to do that. But, but who, who, like it was you, your team, who actually birthed it? What was the community outreach during this process of the conception of this idea? Sure, uh, well, the parking meters originally were rolled out in the city in 1950. Uh, the hours, the businesses have changed since that time. So staff um, uh, reviewed the city and said, you know, right sizing those hours to actually conduct uh, the, the meter hours during the time of operation of the businesses would be a good way to actually help the businesses. During when staff thought it would be great, was there outreach? What was the equity matrix? Like staff came up, said this is a good idea. What was the outreach to community, small business? What was the equity, yeah. you know, especially <clears throat> with the city having the equity, you know, charter. Yeah. How did that filter right. in, in the decision making at, at this time, this was in 2019, I believe. Um, and when we brought it forth to our board, um, uh, they thought it was a good idea to pursue. At the time, we were considering it as a pilot rollout uh, to see how it would impact uh, communities. Um, times have changed. We're now coming out of a pandemic. Um, our board is strongly urging SFMTA to identify ways in which we can identify funding. Uh, and this is one of those ways to identify the funding. Okay, so the plan was pre-pandemic. We, we yes, correct. Okay. Second question, um, what other either cost-cutting measures or revenue-generating measures has the SFMTA curbside off-street parking viewed, studied, analyzed in addition to this? Yeah, we, we are looking at a lot of different options. Um, this is our first one that we're bringing forth. We are going to be reviewing uh, and policy discussions at, to bring to our board to consider. Okay. Um, 
correct me, I'm sorry if I, I might be misspeaking here. Did not the meters recently go through an RFP and they're outsourced now to the private sector? No, no, we just um, we took an RFP to procure new meters, so we're replacing all the hardware in the city right now. Um, we're, it's still in-house. It's still in-house? Yes. And then lastly, um, what's the annual budget for curbside off-street parking? As far as the revenues produced from parking? Correct. Um, off-street right now is around, I'd have, to, I'd have to double check my notes, but it's around 58 million gross. Uh, On-street meters, I think, projected to do around 52 million gross. Okay. Um, yeah. So this, if I saw the presentation, Greg, so this would bring $18 million in additional gross to the curbside of that, uh, meter parking side. It, it, would, it would bring in $18.5 million additional revenue to the agency to fund Muni, correct. Okay. What would be, is that net new, meaning that's net positive after the additional payroll hours, et cetera, or is that, that gross? That's gross. That's gross, correct. What would be the actual net profit? Yeah, we're, we're anticipating it to be around 12.5 million, 13.5 million, I'm sorry, after expenses of hiring new PCOs, for example, new equipment, um, uh, maintaining those meters later in the day, uh, paying fees for maintaining, the, to run the meters, transactional fees, things of that, that nature. Okay, thank you, Mr. Graff. Thank you. Commissioner Carter. Yeah, thanks for the presentation. I think I'm a little disappointed that this is a discussion item and not an action item. Um, I think the small business community should have had a say in, in this before it, it sounds like it's already set. Um, I don't like the idea of this coming and squeezing a already um, the small business community in San Francisco is already suffering a lot, not just small business, but big business too. So I am not in favor of this at all. <laughs> I'm also, um, my restaurant is on Golden Gate and I see meters um, with people sitting in cars, you know, maybe they suffer from substance abuse or whatever the issue is. And I see your MTA guys drive right past. I see it every day. So if this is an issue with, um, <laughs> you know, with the, with the meters, it doesn't seem like you guys, I mean, I don't know what's going on with that. So I definitely have my concerns and I don't like the idea of extending the hours um, for already um, community that's already suffering here in San Francisco. So I would like to you guys to think of other ways to, to find money for your, for your budget. Commissioner Gregory. Um, yes, thanks for your presentation. I also have concerns. So I didn't know if you answered the question. Before you decide to implement this, what was your outreach to the small businesses and the merchants associations? I heard that before you roll it out, you're going to talk to them. But before you guys came up with this, what was your outreach to the small businesses? There, there, was, there was light outreach. We, Pre-pandemic, there was around 20 businesses and merchant groups that were reached out to. And your response from them? Sorry, I, I just wanted to add to that. This is Andrea Buffa. So there were 20 um, merchant organizations that we did presentations to, and there were 27 groups that we reached out to, sent information, and asked if they wanted a presentation. And their feedback was? 
did did you find small businesses in support of this? Not in support of this? Like it, it was mixed. It was mixed. Um, once we had conversations with the small businesses and were able to to discuss some of the some of the realizations we found with curb availability, the opportunity for sales receipts to possibly increase um, when there is additional parking available, uh, and the fact that we're not taking away what we heard a lot was where are our employees going to park. And when we explain we're not taking away parking, we're actually going to be introducing a nominal fee. We'll actually probably find additional uh, availability rather than less availability. In addition, there's about 26,000 parking meters in the city. There's around 900,000 parking spaces in the city. This is around, I think it's around 5%, six, five and a half, six percent of the total parking availability in the city. Um, and so it's a, it's a, it's relatively. Um, a, a small amount of parking that we're actually talking about. And if you get off the commercial corridors into the side streets, um, they're generally free parking, um, albeit time limited parking generally, RPP and things like that. But after a certain time, that enforcement does cut out. So if people did want to find either free or discounted parking, they could go around the corner or they could also utilize um, uh, uh, different parking lots and things in the neighborhood. So, um, I'm sorry. So you were saying that you gave the presentation of what was gonna happen, but did you ask them what, what they would like to see in their community? Did you ask them like, is this something they wanted? Is this something they don't want? I just don't see like, now you have a waitress who has to now pay to go to work at, in the evening. To me, I just don't see how that's gonna work out for somebody like they get they get to find parking. As we all know that we've been in several restaurants in the evening, whether it's extended hours or not, it's hard to park in almost anywhere in San Francisco. So I just, I'm not too sure how this is um, gonna benefit uh, small businesses, but just like Commissioner Carter said, yeah, it would probably be better to open it to the public to see, or in the Small Business Commission and Office of Small Business to see would this, is this benefiting small businesses? Thank you. Commissioner Carter. Yeah, I'll also just add that this doesn't seem like it's making it friendlier to do business and want to support business in San Francisco at all. Commissioner Herbert. First of all, thank you for your presentation and um, this is definitely a hot topic so I don't envy your position. Um, I, was, I own restaurants, and I too am concerned about my workforce having to plug the meter. Um, it's the two-hour parking is really challenging, um, and so the meters seem like they might be more challenging. Um, did you say there was a time limit on them, or there is no time limit, or? Because of the feedback we've heard doing our outreach, we would not have time limits. So what does that look like? What is not having time limits? So for example, from 6 to 10 p.m., as opposed to having a two-hour time limit, so if someone paid the meter at 6 and have to move their car at 8, there would be no time limits. They could pay for the entire four hours, uh, either by phone, um, so they wouldn't have to leave their shift or leave the restaurant that they're at or the movie they were seeing. Um, mm -hmm. They could go out and actually physically pay a meter. Uh, or they could prepay all beforehand if they knew that they're going to be there for a longer period of time. Okay. And did you 
do a study about who uses the parking meters most or anything like that? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, well, I think anybody visiting the business corridors are the, are the folks that are typically using those meters um, mm -hmm. during metered hour times. After hours, we're finding a high percentage of people that are parking in those meters are typically people that live in the area. Um, or people that work in the businesses sometimes as well, they might pay for that last hour of parking and then leave their vehicle in that spot. And so those vehicles are parked and not available for customers or, or guests of the businesses to actually come in and park. God, okay. Um, it just, it, to me, it just seems like the timing is off. I know SFMTA is really eager to fill the gap financially. And at the same time, this is kind of falling on the backs of small business, in my opinion. Um, and so it would be great if there was just something else that could supplement the SFMTA budget, um, or if it could be delayed uh, just while we're getting past this last, hopefully this last wisp of you know financial challenges that everyone's facing. And we're also trying to attract more people to the city so this is just one more thing for people to say, oh, San Francisco, now that they'll, did you know their parking meters go till 11? You know, I'm just, I understand the need and I wish there was another solution. So, I, you know, I wish I had a million dollars too, yeah. so. <laughs> Thank you for your presentation. Thank you. Commissioner Ortiz Cartania. Director Graff, um, on average, and, and you don't have to say exact, but what's the lowest cost per meter per hour you would say your study, your data has on curbside? Here in the city, it's 50 cents an hour. So that's, that's the lowest that's average? That's the floor, Okay. Correct. What would you say is the average? I, I should know that off the top of my head. It's around 240, I think, an hour. So 250, so for these additional four hours, that's $10. So somebody, usually in the restaurant business that gets paid minimum wage, half of one hour, now goes to parking, that's one. Two, me, I'm from the Mission, 24th Street, I go to Tio Chilos, I go eat, now I have to reduce whether do we buy beers there or not, because that's $10. Or I used to go shopping to Mishquat where I buy indigenous wares and that, and maybe I don't spend those $10. And then lastly, I round out the night where I go to Doña Carmen's, a legacy business, have a pan dulce, a coffee. So one of those three items I have to not spend at my local small businesses. So that's extraction right there. And again, to follow up in one of the initial questions I asked, this is your first idea, pre-pandemic idea that your staff devised. What other ideas? Because it's really only $12 million, right? For the budgets, it's percentage-wise, it's not as huge as impact as it is to like a cultural district because I probably can't go there. I could go to South City now, and have that same effect, because $10 is a lot. It's a lot right now. You know, we're, we're in one of the greatest downturns, especially for people of color. Like, I don't got it like that. You know, other people might. What are other initiatives either to reduce cost or to generate revenue? Like you said, you had some ideas. What are some of those potential ideas? I think we'd be happy to bring back some of those and discuss them with you at a, at a later time. But we, we, it is absolutely something we are pressing for. Uh, the other trade-off that we are considering having to do is cut meeting lines, um, which serve this city. Um, and currently, facing the deficit, 
we would have to start cutting those meeting lines if we cannot find additional sources of revenue um, by the summer at attuned to one to month, one muni line per month, up to I think it's I believe it's 20 muni lines that we'd have to consider consider cutting. Um, so there's absolutely trade-offs. Have we explored maybe cutting executive salaries in the management level in-house as opposed to actual muni drivers and muni lines? Ab absolutely, we are looking and we have. Uh, as I mentioned in the presentation, prioritize those operating positions um, and essential positions uh, as well. Thank you, Director Graf. And I, and I appreciate you because I know it's hard. Like, you know, we're advocating for our small business. I understand you, <laughs> you don't have a job necessarily at the moment that's, you know, the biggest fans in the city, but appreciate you anyways. Thank you. Vice President Zuzunas. Thank you. I appreciate you um, coming before us today, and um, thank you um, to our staff director for putting this on our agenda. I, I wanted to just kind of start by hoping you could give us a snapshot of, of um, Muni's kind of standard operating deficit or, or standard, you know, like baseline deficit that it operates on so that we know um, what makes this an extreme circumstance as we're, where we're at. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be the best person to, to speak to that. I'm not sure if Andrea could provide or if that's something we'd have to come back to you with. I can tell you what our projected deficit is. It's 130 million in fiscal year 2024-25. Um, I believe that our budget is supposed to be balanced um, we're a revenue generating agency, so we typically wouldn't have any deficit. Um, of course, during the pandemic, that, that hole has been filled by federal government funds and they're about to run out, which is why transit agencies throughout the Bay Area and California are facing such a difficult situation. Okay, thank you. I, I guess I, I asked this question to help us frame, I think this is the, and a perfect example that helps us um, imagine what the role of the government is and really help the citizens understand the boundaries and provisions of that, of that role. Um, historically, I see public transit as a public service, which is, in my mind, not supposed to be revenue generating. It's supposed to give, it's part of the public agreement for our tax money, we get these staple uh, this infrastructure, and that is kind of historically my understanding of the role of the government and, and public utilities, um, such as transit. So the fact that we're dealing with a revenue-generating agency, let's start there. Small businesses, I think, are tired of being told that it's our responsibility to run this city. Um, I think it's time that we question what is the city's role and what is our role, and let's be clear about that differentiation. I think it's unfair that this is framed as small businesses pinned against working communities like drivers and low-income riders. We should not be told that it's us or them. That is a very short-sighted and inappropriate way of framing this, in my opinion. Um, because we are all the working communities of the city and we are intertwined. And it shouldn't be the small businesses 
and small business workers' responsibility to provide a, a revenue-generating public transit agency. Um, I think with that being said, um, if this is the system we're working within and we need to make compromises across the board, um, I believe that a very fair compromise would be implementing a similar permit system that residents and residential districts have um, to allow them street parking allowances. We should be, uh, this has been brought up every time we have a MTA presentation, it's been crowdsourced from small business listening you know, sessions, um, you know, city-owned parking garages in Union Square where there's not a lot of other parking why can't we make some kind of uh, worker permit for, 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 business, for small businesses there? Same thing with, with street parking meters. I think this would be um, an idea that should be taken seriously since it's brought up year after year. Um, and yeah, specifically areas like Fisherman's Wharf, I know has been in the media about how there, um, there's not a lot of you know, visitors and, and so, Particularly, I would love to hear from that merchant association. Um, I know it's probably one of our more old school ones, so we probably need to do the work as merchant groups and making sure that that um, feedback from that association is uh, reflective of all of the demographic of businesses working there. But um, Fisherman's Wharf, I'm a little scared for because of given the already um, low uh, tourist rate over there. Um, and yeah, that, that's kind of where I wanted to just frame things is small businesses contribute um, monetarily a lot more than we can measure because of how of our, our budget is skewed with our enterprise and, um, you know, big business numbers. We often can't kind of hone in on what our fiscal contribution is, but I think it's, it's, it's sorely framed that it should be um, our responsibility to pay for a public service. Thank you. Yeah, I, I just wanted to let you know, we're meeting with the Fisherman's Wharf Community Benefit District tomorrow. Um, I hope I didn't imply that we are generating revenue to make a profit. It's just to cover the expenses of providing the services. Um, and the transit fares are the thing that used to provide a lot of that revenue, and that's not happening right now. Um, really appreciate the idea that you put out. And I think, again, we want to reiterate, we are hearing loud and clear that the issue of parking for employees um, is something that we all need to work on together and um, come up with some ideas for how to address that. Commissioner Herbert. I, I'm wondering, is there an opportunity to pursue additional federal funding? Yeah. Yes, uh, again, I wouldn't be the best to speak to that. However, I know our director uh, is desperately seeking additional opportunities for funding, both federal and state. Oh, thank you. Commissioner Gregory. Uh, so, I'm sorry, you said you're reaching out to Fisherman's Wharf uh, uh, Association tomorrow? There's, there's a meeting scheduled tomorrow. Okay, so, and you said you're gonna reach out to other merchant associations before you roll this out. So if you get feedback that this is not what they want and this is not gonna work for them or their employees, are you guys open to changing things? 
or is this set? And no matter what they say, you guys are rolling it out anyway. Right. Well, we have an implementation plan that <clears throat> is phased in over six phases. Um, we are going to support Super Supervisor President Peskin's um, economic report, so we are going to be review that. Obviously, if it's going to be impactful to small businesses in a negative way, it's something I'm sure we would be re-looking at and reconsidering. So if I could strongly suggest something, and this is just not for this city department, it's a lot of city departments throughout the city of San Francisco, before you guys start to roll out changes that are really going to affect small businesses, you might want to reach out to those small business leaders in those certain communities and ask them what, what is the feedback for all of this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I have several comments um, and perhaps there are questions as well. Um, you know, what I'm hearing obviously is that, you know, you've heard that employees need parking. Um, that's one major concern for our small business community. My concern is um, that there are probably several other concerns I think that we've all brought up. How do you weigh your um, you know, your stakeholders, because this was a pre-pandemic, you know, um, priority at that point, and now we're bringing it back without real regard to the economic landscape. I mean, I think what we experience as residents is that everything in San Francisco affects everything else. We're one ecosystem, right? Same as the whole Bay Area. So for you to recover, your revenues, that's fantastic, but we have no, you know, like what impact on small businesses is that going to look like and what is San Francisco going to look like? So, I mean, I, I guess going back to my question, we can help gather input as we have. We can get our community together and say this is what we perceive as, as a situation, but you know, what I've gathered so far from your um, presentation is that you perceive those as unfounded fears. So I'm wondering at what, you know, where is the prioritization of the small business voice? I, I, I can tell you um, that our board has directed us to roll out this policy um, and 2020, they approved the policy to roll this out in pilots in certain areas. Um, they've reasserted the fact that we need to right-size our budget, and they have directed us to roll this program out um, in the phase that it's been roll, uh, 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 shown. <clears throat> now, I imagine as we do this outreach and as we're hearing from you, we are going to um, reanalyze and bring back to our board considerations uh, employee parking is absolutely something we're hearing loud and clear. We're hearing uh, concerns that this is a subsidy for small businesses. We're hearing that loud and clear. I'm hearing that there may be concessions made by customers going, if I'm going to spend money here, then I'm not going to have it to spend at the small business. So I'm hear we're hearing that. So this is all feedback we are going to be taking in. I appreciate that. Um, Another small question is, what is the demographic of the people who are making decisions at SFMTA? In terms of your entire department, what does that demographic look like? Are they San Franciscans? 
I wouldn't be the right person to answer that. I'd, I, mean, maybe. I mean, yeah. I think we'd have to get back to you on the composition of our executive team. Or just all of the people like who work in SFMTA. I'm just curious because yeah. I think that would be, you know, I had the opportunity to um, help coordinate a meeting in Chinatown with um, some um, planners as well as other people from SFMTA. And it was fantastic to show them the neighborhood and for them to be able to see the street, not from an outreach level, but from a real, like, these are the businesses that are on our street. And I would just, I think when you have the experience of being on our, on our streets and meeting the people who are actually in the neighborhood, the humanization of the work that you do on paper, I think changes perspective more, more impactfully than any other thing that you could possibly do. And so I, my curiosity is how many people who are making decisions on paper actually have experienced the community, the life, the, the activities, the activations that we're planning. How many of those people actually have seen that and will be able to understand the nuance that like, their decisions will effectively impact? Yeah, I can't tell you what the percentage is. Um, and I'm not a decision maker, but I live in San Francisco. And many of us who, who work at the SFMTA do live in San Francisco and feel really lucky to live here. And we have an outreach team that's constantly um, going out to neighborhoods and meeting with people and communicating with people. Um, and Commissioner Ortiz was talking about the mission. Um, we, you know, I'll just speak for myself. I go to the mission all the time. Um, and I, um, I also, like other San Franciscans, can think of neighborhoods where like, there's a restaurant I really love and I want to go there for dinner. Mm -hmm. And if I'm thinking about driving, I'm like, nah, because um, it's super hard to find parking in that neighborhood. So you know, since I take public transit too, I'm like, I'll hop on Muni. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, all of this feedback and all the feedback of the people in the public comments, um, it's all going to inform what comes next. And I mean, I think you know that we know these are really hard decisions. Um, and, and the city's in a very difficult, difficult situation right now. Mm -hmm. I understand. Um, another question I have is, you know, I know that um, through conversations, oh, I'll let you finish. No, that's okay. Um, in conversations with SFCTA, um, my understanding is that there are climate goals, right? I mean, I think we all know that we have climate goals to reach a certain level of um, alternative transportation, transit, um, meaning not car tran transport. Um, with those goals in mind, I'm wondering like, okay, so now we're switching kind of priorities to bicycling perhaps, as well as like, you know, I mean, walking and other types of things. But I haven't really seen the same level of like um, interest in like permitting bicycling, like bicycle parking or bicycle, you know, kind of like lanes or things like that. Like those have not been, um, have not been something that we've attached fees to. And my curiosity is kind of like, 
Well, now that we're shifting that balance, you're gonna have less and less drivers on the road who are going to be paying more and more for the driving. It essentially is like a, a punishment, right? Like a, a fine in a way. And I feel like that's oftentimes the way that City Hall kind of looks at, um, at how we promote better behavior or change behavior is through this act of like gatekeeping and, and fee making. I mean, that has been our experience as small businesses. If you look at the, the number of fees that we have to pay for things, it is, out, it, it is like astounding what you could possibly pay a fee for in the city. So I'm wondering at what point does that shift begin where perhaps we lay off a little bit on the drivers because we know that eventually we're going to be taking them all off the road, but, or, you know, 80% of them, let's say. <laughs> and, then, and then we start to even out the balance of like what you're allowed to, what you're allowed, how you're allowed to move around in the city. Is that? Yes. Is, is that part yeah. of a plan? Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I follow, no. I follow your, what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, again, I wouldn't be the right person to speak to that, but we could bring you back, send you something back or bring something back to you about that. Okay. Um, let's see. So the other thing is I think really that some of the questions have not been answered, right? Because I know you all work in different departments and you're not the right person to to speak on these things. What are the mechanisms in the future? Because we're finding out now at this point that, um, that everybody would have liked to been part of the feedback process prior to a decision being made. And I know that you have multiple kind of things, you know, set up to help with the, the remainder of the deficit. Um, what are the mechanisms that we as small business owners and then different resident groups and different, like all different stakeholders can actually give feedback prior to decisions being made? Yeah, I think that's something that, again, Andrea being with the agency now and our community PIOs that are out there, we, we can do a better job at in more engagement, more outreach. I think that's something we're constantly trying to improve upon, um, and, I, and I hear you. I did, I did want to um, correct something that uh, just that we had spoken about earlier. The staff doesn't make policy. We take the policy to our board, and our, our board creates the policy. Um, so I just wanted to correct that, and, and our board is all San Francisco natives, or, or live, yeah, live, live here. So I just wanted to correct that um, statement I think we made earlier. Sure, thank yeah. you very much. That's helpful for us, I think. Um, in terms of like your policy recommendations, um, do you show them the f full slate of everything that you're working on and then they kind of, like how do you shape what you're going to show the board? Like what does the landscape look for them as they're making these decisions? Yeah, typically we have um, in reach into our, our organization but we also do some outreach generally sometimes on depending on the policy of what we're doing. Um, Prior to taking items to our board, we have a POETS plan that we use, that we do engagement, uh, public outreach and engagement um, to inform the, the policy. And then we have a, a open discussion similar to here where the policy is actually um, voted on. 
And in light of the questions that you've heard tonight and the ones that you know have been uh, not appropriate for you to answer, who would you recommend would be the best person for us to speak to next, given the concerns that we have about SFMTA and our relationship as small business owners with transit? Transit in general? Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, I, think, I think you're talking to two great conduits here that can get information for you, but as we go forward and, and forge the relationship and, and work more with engagement with you all, I think we, we should probably um, do better at assigning someone to actually be fully engaged with that. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead, I mean, Andrea. In other words, one of us can be a point of contact between you and the executive director of the agency, the board members. Um, so we're happy to do that. Okay. So some of these follow-ups, like we will yeah. Yeah. continue that conversation. Um, does any other commissioner? Uh, oh, go ahead. Since this was a pre-pandemic with the mayor's plan and, and all of our concern about the downtown corridor, how does this factor in? like the occupation, the activation of downtown, all those class A assets that are reset, and we just had a building that prior in 2019 was valued or up for sale for 250, it's an escrow at 60. We're working under the mayor's initiative and other capacities to activate the downtown quarter. Is charging meter till 10 p.m., is that part of the plan? Is it, is it in unison with that overall strategy here in the city? I mean, we fully support the economic recovery of downtown, and actually, muni service is totally critical to that. Um, and I think the mayor's office, you know, will, I'm sure, comment on, you know, how they feel about how this interacts with the downtown recovery plan. But we would never have proposed this if we thought it was going to be harmful to the economic recovery of San Francisco or to small businesses. But it seems more important than ever that this economic analysis is going to be done you know, so that everybody can take a look at that, not just like, you know, take our word for it. Um, I just have one more question before I um, pass, pass it on to Director Tang. But, um, you know, I also noticed that when I was, um, when I've been in Chinatown that we have the electronic parking meters where, or I know, I mean, they're all electronic, I guess, you know, but like the ones where you have to pay with smartphones. Um, what is your, uh, solution for people who don't have smartphones? Like, how does that work? Uh, at all, all the meters, um, the old legacy meters, I'll say the ones that we're replacing right now, and at the current meters, there's option for coin, credit card, um, touch and pay, or you know, contactless, or you could use pay by phone. So there are options. For I've all seen of them those. where it's like covered, like where you can't like use the actual like, mm. like thing. Like there was something over it, I think. Like, like a cloth bag kind of thing and then it says like paid part like. we we had recently gone through the upgrade in chinatown oh, and it okay. may have been during that transition where the the new meters may have not been turned on yet and the old legacy meters were still there okay so that might have been because otherwise it wouldn't have been covered our uptime on, on the new meters are very high so there's not as much vandalism on these new meters okay so everything so everybody has the ability to be able to pay no matter what correct method Okay, that's reassuring. Correct. And then also, who would be in charge of like considering having some of the parking signage um, in 
perhaps Chinese or in Spanish, because I was trying to like figure out how to park, and I don't actually, I'm actually not fluent, like I can't like read in either of those languages very well, but I assume other people can, yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't even figure out like when and how I should be able to park, like looking yeah. at it in English, and I was, and you also have to be somewhat of a mathematician or whatever it is like to be able to calculate like what time it is, like how long I'm going to be here, what is happening, and so, and what day, like I don't know which day it is of the month, and so is there any opportunity to simplify yeah. that and then to add that into other languages? Um, to to answer your point about the languages, the new meters, one of the things that we're very proud of, we're, they actually are in English, uh, Chinese, and Spanish. Uh, our legacy meters did not have that. And we are supplementing that with signage that has those languages as well. So there is going to be increased there. Okay. Um, and, and, and as far as legibility goes, and that is one of the things that when we uh, approached even this policy and our recommendation to the board because of some of the issues you've raised, that's why we're intending to go citywide from 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. Whereas if we were to, if for example, do different hours in different neighborhoods or, or it would be very hard for people to, to understand, you know, where do I need to pay, when do I need to pay, um, it makes it very simplified. Yeah, I mean, I would say that it would be equally as important to do large, you know, to do the signage as well as the meter kind of area because if mm -hmm. you're driving, you're going to see the sign, right, more so than, like, stop, get out, read the meter. And um, if possible, like, this is just a really, I don't know, basic note, but, like, I took a picture of one of the poles where it shows all the signage, and if somebody who's not at SFMTA could like review that as a lay person for you and give you feedback because oftentimes like we all work in our own businesses and I see my life like I'm like why doesn't anybody else get this because I I get it mm -hmm. but it's like I wouldn't expect you to get what I see every single day so if there's any way to get kind of lay feedback about your yeah. signage I feel like that would perhaps help our experience as residents because the rest of us aren't like it's not as intuitive as you may believe it to be. So that's my comment. That's um, great. That's great feedback. Thank you. Because as we are um, putting out the new meters and uh, moving forward with this proposal, um, we will be supplementing that. So we will take that in uh, the signage. That okay. is, take that in and make sure that we're reviewing it. But we do go block by block, and it's very uh, labor intensive. But yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Vice President Zuzunas. Thank you. Uh, sorry, Director Dane. Just a real quick question. Um, is the enforcement piece we haven't really talked about? And is that part of how you're doing and planning on doing kind of a scaled enforcement? Like you're not going to have, you're not going to be ticketing the first day. Can you, can you explain to me uh, specifically if enforcement revenue and tickets are part of your calculation of, of revenue in this? They are. They are included in that 18.5 gross and that 13.5 net. Do you have an estimate of how much? Uh, of, of those numbers? Mm -hmm. I don't off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and are the ticket prices going to be different or? Uh, the ticket prices, um, they do go through, uh, during our budget process, they go through a review. Uh, I don't... Uh, 
we, there's a, my, one of my peers is the director of enforcement and they take it through and our board reviews it and approves. And then it goes to the board of supervisors as well for their review and approval. Okay, and the current um, ticket price from our, our friendly meter maids is, can you give me a sense of if that fluctuates or if like what is the price now and if you're expecting it to change? I, yeah, I, I can't speak to if it's going to change. Right. Uh, we haven't gone through our budget process, but we will. Uh, at the end of this year, we go through a two-year budget cycle. Um, <clears throat> and, I, and I don't know if that is expected to change or not. Um, so right now, I believe like an infraction, an unpaid ticket. Mm -hmm. and I, I could pull, pull it up uh, before maybe Andre could, while we're here. Um, I believe it's around $70. Okay. And I know that... Um Going back to our equity mandate and even what pre predated our equity mandate is is something called the uh, fee justice project and kind of a quality of life um, nexus looking at specifically parking tickets and that was a big priority under under our current you know mayor mayoral administration and so I want to understand if if we're rolling back any of those types of um, easements on parking tickets or if, um, yeah, where that kind of landmark equity legislation of the fee justice and parking tickets falls within this s scheme. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to, I, about the person that would speak to that, uh -huh. but we could follow up with you on that. Um, yeah. But the, the revenues are for the, the citations as mentioned are baked into the 18.5 million gr gross and the $13.5 million net, um, anticipating that those costs are the same or fees are the same. Okay. And, and, and I think you did have a question yeah. earlier on about, yes, the intention is to not enforce for a period of time. The enforcement officers uh -huh. would actually go out and write just um, notes. Okay. Um, uh, just letting people know that the meters are mm -hmm. extended to a certain amount of time. Uh, it's not a fee, but just a, just a, a note. Um, <clears throat> and we would be having to increase uh, staffing of our enforcement officers to mm -hmm. work those um, extended meter hours uh, evenings and on Sundays. Okay. So there'd be a ramp-up period of time on that as well. Okay, so that's an area, for example, that we could come to some compromises with the small business community on, the implementation of enforcement you guys haven't had put in stone yet. It has not been put in okay. stone. Okay, yeah. thank you. You're welcome. Director Tang. Thank you. Um, just uh, following up on Commissioner Zazunas' question about enforcement, um, once you hire the additional PCOs, are you going to have them mostly focus on parking meter enforcement or other issues, other violations. Um, for example, uh, I've worked with businesses that have complained that they have nowhere for their loading trucks mm. to park because they're constantly being filled by uh, either private vehicles or um, maybe other uh, businesses that don't, you know, don't have their trucks leave. Um, so just wanted to follow up on what other yeah. enforcement that could generate revenue like double parkers and yeah. other dangerous activities. Yeah, that's a, when we do go out and have these conversations with um, businesses and even residents, one of the things we hear surprisingly is that there's not enough enforcement. Um, we hear this often, particularly around folks that have either loading zones or meters in front of their businesses um, or in the RPP areas where people are parking their vehicles for a longer length of stay than they should. Um, we hear that a lot, that there's not enough enforcement and we get calls to go enforce. Um, we are working um, desperately to hire PCOs. It is, we are understaffed for our PCOs um, and we are actually going through a large hiring process right now. 
uh, to hire additional PCOs um, that can help with those type of um, enforcement challenges that we have in, the, in, in different areas. Okay, so all that to say, um, you know, I think what we hear from businesses is uh, the need for enforcement of existing laws uh, that would, you know, help, mm -hmm. right, with the business situation, whether it's for mm -hmm. customers or for their loading trucks, mm -hmm. um, and also, again, dangerous activities. I know that has been brought up in the media, but um, wanting to see that level of enforcement, and mm -hmm. then, of course, now they're hearing about the parking meters and, and um you know, citing customers, right? Potential customers, potential workers. Um, I'm sure you can imagine um, the irritation on that. Um, the other thing I just wanted to bring to your attention around, um, you know, what we've been hearing from businesses over time is that, you know, it's not just about the parking meters, it's about project after project after project layered on in different communities over time that, you know, again, we understand the MTA's policy goals. Um, we get that, and I ride Muni. Um, quite often. So um, I, I totally understand the need for reliable transit. On the other hand, though, uh, the businesses that have experienced, whether it's a bus rapid transit project or better market streets, um, or right now, um, I know Gary Boulevard is going through, um, you know, uh, discussions around a project mm -hmm. and has been for probably more than a decade. Um, all of those things layered on top of each other is what we're hearing that ultimately has not necessarily left the business in a better place and that there's no other way for them to recover. Like you can recover revenues as I think one of the commissioners has said, but they cannot, it's their livelihood. And so um, I just wanted to bring a little bit more context about where, what we're hearing and why the businesses are so frustrated. It's not again that we are trying to pit our communities against each other, but truly the business owners have no other recourse if their business fails because of lack of foot traffic or whatever else it is. So I just wanted to um, bring that up. Um, to the group here. Vice President Zunis. Thank you. One more piece that the director reminded me of. Um, city vehicles. <laughs> so is there a designate, can you give us a sense of where city employees with city vehicles are allowed to park in the city if they have designated areas um, and if there's any mitigation that the agency can do in these contemplations mm. of helping move city vehicles into a more controlled space because my family's business is in south of market and they're all of most of most of the available street parking is is city vehicles that do not move and they told us that that's you know that there's nowhere for them to go uh so i feel like that's a on you guys like that's your fleet so how are you if we're talking about making space on commercial corridors why is this like the elephant in the room mm. that's an interesting question so as the mta i don't know how many non-revenue vehicles we actually own or, or or lease but we're a portion of those city vehicles that you're probably experiencing um there is a no free parking policy in the city for anybody including employees um, those vehicles to legally park in certain areas have to have permits located. So it could be a function of lack of enforcement that we were just speaking to, and some of those areas may need to be enforced. So there's no designated, like, this is a garage we've designated for the city parking so that we can free up this corridor. Is that something you guys could so, bring back, maybe? Well, I'd, have to, that, be, I'd yeah. have to be clear on yeah. what those vehicles are doing. It sounds 
to me, from what I'm understanding or hearing you, is that these are probably during the day when they're out working, um, not necessarily when they're uh, parked and, and not being used. It sounds like or when someone's on duty or something like that. There are, at least for the MTA, I can't speak for other city departments, um, there are designated areas where they might park. Our media fleets have their muni yards where they'll go back and, and the maintenance vehicles are there. The operation units that I oversee, the paint shop, the meter shop, the sign shop, mm -hmm. um, temp sign shop, have designated spaces when they're off duty that that's where they're, that's where they're gonna park. Okay, um, but on duty designated parking is, is not something that, um, just I'm trying to think yeah. of a way that we can free up some of yeah. that spot for the uses yeah. that you've explained in your yeah. presentation. Uh, we're happy to look at some of these areas that you have concerns on to see if it is in fact a, an abuse issue, maybe an enforcement issue that needs to be mm -hmm. addressed. Um, but yeah, otherwise they need to have a city permit um, to actually park in say a meter or residential parking area for longer than the amount of time that's posted. Um, if not, and, and typically, um, if not, then they they could get a city a citation, just like a mm -hmm. private vehicle. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Um, one other question I have is about um, new transit trends, right? Like I think in the last ten years we've seen a rise of um, you know third party delivery um, apps. During pandemic, definitely we've seen a rise of uh, restaurant deliveries. Um, one of the things that I, I was kind of floating by with our merchants association is could there be designated like loading and unloading zones that are more um, intentional right and perhaps they are kind of like the corner of a residential street or someplace like off of the commercial corridor where you know perhaps the the delivery apps need to hire like a runner to be able to go you know like you have the little buzzers that tell you when you're ready your seat your table's ready or whatever it is perhaps there's some sort of mechanism that is mm -hmm. on the onus of the delivery company to be able to um, help with some of this congestion that we're seeing because a lot of it is the double parking mm -hmm. and things like that so I guess my question is in light of the the new um, ways that we we function how has uh, Muni taken that into consideration for its future planning? Yeah, there has been in the past four or five years uh, huge growth in TNCs, Ubers and Lyfts. Um, there has been a huge lift, uh, 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 increase in delivery vehicles, may or may not be of the same names that are using those um, pickup services and things like that. Um, <clears throat> we have a curb management team that does reside under me that goes in when engaged in communities and actually will uh, do a full curb management plan um, with engagement with, with the community, maybe in part, maybe as part of a transit plan, maybe not, um, where we'll actually look at those loading zones and determine are they in the right area? Do they need to be moved? Um, are they creating safety issues in a daylighting? Maybe not, you know, they need to be uh, an area where it needs to be daylight at an intersection. Um, so, Absolutely, um, it is a long process. That's a, a full poets program where we're actually going out and doing public outreach and engagement to get this area legislated and we'll take it to our board for adoption. Um, Petrero Hill, we most recently, um, well we did a number of years ago, that was a larger plan. We're working on Treasure Island right now as the streets are being turned over. Um, 
uh, and to, uh, from the private um, developers that are out there. Um, we're also working in Northeast Mission right now uh, on a neighborhood parking plan, um, which um, will introduce some time limits, some meters, some RPP zones, some loading zones, absolutely. Um, Valencia um, was mostly a transit bike lane, but we did, my crew management team was engaged there as well uh, to help uh, with the relocation of some of those zones to make sure that they're in the right areas to hopefully um, mitigate some of those issues you were referring to. Mm -hmm. And actually, um, I, I know you're, you're parking, but um, going back to the question I had about bicyclists, and perhaps you know this question may be better directed to somebody else, but um, is there any discussion about perhaps bicycle riding kind of like training programs in the city that would lead to some sort of licensure? Because I feel like we do all have to share the road and oftentimes it gets, you know, it would be more, um, I would feel more comfortable, I think, um, riding if I knew that there were certain rules of the road that had to be adhered to um, for both drivers as well as like bicyclists. Like if there was equal onus like on, on all of us to understand how we're gonna behave together, you know? Because as a driver, sometimes I don't know if, if people are gonna stop. And then as a bicyclist, I don't know if people see, you know, there's just certain things that riding in the city is very different than riding in other places. Um, so I'm just wondering like, is there, is that perhaps a revenue, you know, piece mm -hmm. for, for SFMTA? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if we've looked into that. Um, and I don't think probably Andrea, Andrew doesn't either, but something I will take back to the team. I have a colleague that works uh, in livable streets that um, works on uh, the bike um, portion of, the, of our strategic plan. Um, and I will raise that to him. Because I feel like that would, you know, increase safety, mm -hmm. like, dramatically, I would assume, you know, mm -hmm. because people are actually all on the same page as to how we're supposed to, you know, interact with one another in terms of um, predictability. So, sure. um, okay. I think that's pretty much all I have right now. Any other comments or questions from the commission? Um, I think it's time to take public comment. For public commenters, I'd like to limit pu public comment to two minutes which is pretty customary for most commissions. So, uh, If public commenters want to press star three to be added to the queue, it looks like we have three people already waiting. Commenters, you can go ahead. SFF.gov.tv, please open up the line for public comment. Hi, my name is Amy Cleary, and I'm calling on behalf of the Golden Gate Restaurant Association to strongly oppose the extension of parking meeting hours. We ask that the SFMTA delay will allow until impacts can be studied further, until our small businesses have more time to recover from the economic devastation of the pandemic closures. We understand the significant financial challenges that SFMTA is facing and strongly support the need for robust public transportation in the city, but we're very concerned this will cause our employees to incur significant charge costs for parking meters, which can charge up to 9.25 per hour. In addition, we are worried that this will discourage customers from the communities around San Francisco who want to drive into the city to dine and shop at a time when we need them more than ever. Thank you very much for listening. Hello, commissioners. 
My name is Parker Day. I live in District 3 on the California Street Commercial Corridor, and I'm on the board of Lower Polk Neighbors, although today I'm speaking on behalf of myself. I strongly support extending the hours of metered street parking. The block I live on is entirely metered parking, and in the evenings there's very, very little parking turnover. Parking, uh, parking not turning over does not help our local businesses. It doesn't help residents of the streets like me, and it does nothing to revitalize our economy um, the economy of our business corridor. California Street is currently underpriced and under parking is not turning over during the most important time of day for our businesses in the evening hours and extending hours is a very conservative measure to help address this issue. Thank you. Hi. Um, yeah, for starters, I think that SFMTA's plan is great. Um, I think it'll benefit small businesses significantly, and I want to make sure that everyone has a full understanding of how this is going to work and its benefits. So, first of all, this is just one piece to help prevent Muni from making cuts. Um, and I think if Muni does have to make cuts, this will have a massive negative impact on small businesses across the whole city. Uh, much more than any of your worst imagined parking changes. Secondly, uh, there was mention of concerns about employee parking, and I think that this meter change will have no effect on employees finding parking. Uh, employees don't park where they're parking meters. Um, they park off the main street because the parking meter is for quick and easy access, not for someone who's going to be there for eight hours. Um, so I think it, that, that's kind of a non-issue. Uh, next, this will increase foot traffic for businesses. Literally more people will be able to go to businesses every day because there'll be more turnover. It's a gift to small businesses. I'm surprised small businesses didn't go to SFMTA asking for this long ago. Um, this measure will increase available parking. It prevents people from hogging parking spaces that are maybe going over to just sit in a friend's house nearby providing no financial benefit to the street where they're parked. So this is beneficial in that way. Next, with this measure, um, you will stop hearing people from saying, I don't want to go there, it's too hard to park. Um, and then finally, if you drive to a restaurant, you can't buy as many drinks compared to if you take Muni, Uber, or Walk. So maybe we shouldn't be so focused on this parking stuff anyway. Thank you. I don't see any other callers in the queue. We can take public comment from people in the room. Press star three if you are online and wish to make a comment. Are there any public commenters in the room that would like to speak? You can come up to the mic or stand by the side here. Good afternoon, commissioners. So I was doing the math. I went to uh, Chinatown a few weeks ago and I paid for parking there and it was $4 an hour. So if an employee who is working there in one of the restaurants starts work at 2 o'clock, gets off at 10, they're now paying four additional hours of parking. That is a total of $32 for someone who makes $136 a day. That is almost 25% of their income that day. So I understand how for maybe for some people who are making more money, this sounds like a great idea which is obviously the executives of SFMTA who are not making minimum wage. But for someone who is making minimum wage, this is a big cut. As well as, 
I understand that maybe taking Muni there, but if it's a family of six, they may not want to ride Muni at nine o'clock at night or seven, you know, whatever the hours may be. And then you go have dinner and then you go back at 11 when you can just drive. But that is now an additional cost of $32 that could essentially be going to these businesses. So I am definitely in disagreement of extended meters. Thank you. Hello, commissioners. Um, thank you very much uh, for coming from the MTA and uh, giving this presentation. Uh, my name is Janet Tarlov, and I am here from the Glen Park Merchants Association and uh, the San Francisco Council of District Merchants. Uh, neither of those organizations has a formal uh, position on this matter, but there has been a, a great deal of discussion within our organizations um, about it, and a lot of um, a lot of people are uh, uh, very concerned. Um, the thing that I wanted to come up and uh, speak about is uh, the issue of employee parking. Um, uh, business owners uh, want there to be, I think it's generally clear that there's, they want there to be better solutions for their employees and, uh, and their parking. Uh, we don't want them parking directly in front of our businesses uh, because that will um, uh, impact customer parking. But uh, also, you know, when somebody who is making a, a low wage comes in and they have a $90 ticket for, you know, parking over, uh, you know, a few minutes at a two-hour uh, zone, it, it feels quite unfair. So uh, I would really, uh, just personally not speaking on behalf of my organizations, I, I think it would be uh, a really good idea to put more thought into how to um, make it easier for workers uh, in San Francisco. So thank you. Thank you. I believe we have one more caller in the queue. Hi, my name is Cyrus Hall. I live in D7 and I'm calling in uh, about the meter hour extension. I just wanted to make sure that uh, the commission was aware that SFMTA is facing a $130 million hole in its budget starting in FY25, and that the intent of extending meter hours is to provide nearly $20 million in additional funding for operational expenditures. That would cover three bus lines, actually three and a half bus lines in the city. And I'm, I'm gonna speak up for those riders who would be impacted if we don't extend meter hours. There's no other plan on the table in the city right now to fund SFMTA going forward, none. Um, and we have to think about everyone else who would be impacted as well. I agree that late night muni is bad. There needs to be a lot more service. It's insufficient. So I have a couple of suggestions on how the city could proceed. One would be to include workers in RPP programs allow workers to apply for residential parking permits near where they work, include them in that. Two, allow workers to apply for geofence meter exceptions, exemptions. Three, extend the emergency ride home program, such that workers who are underserved by public transit can call for a ride home uh, after hours. And four, just make Muni work after hours. Second, there's not a lot of evidence to suggest that meters reduce business revenue. And, in the city, it's almost the opposite. After meters turn off, local residents park in metered positions and they don't move their cars. 
making it hard for actual customers to find spots. Putting meters on later should help meter turnover. It should help actively stimulate the economy and help businesses stay active later into the evening. So uh, thank you very much. Uh, that's my comment. There are no other callers in the queue. Great, thank you very much. Um, so given that this is not like an action item, um, but we do have so many you know, kind of follow-up questions and things that we've discussed. What is the mechanism, I guess, um, maybe Director Tang, you can help me figure out, like, what would be the mechanism going forward in order for us to continue this conversation and to be able to, um, you know, move forward with this? I don't know that I have the answer to that, but I would like to just ask MTA that, you know, I think there are a couple suggestions um, put out here. So I heard about worker parking. Um, I heard about the rollout. I don't know that it was explicitly stated here today in this meeting, but I do know that there have been conversations around how you can roll out, perhaps not in six phases, because that is actually very confusing for people um, to go to different neighborhoods at different months um, while you're rolling out and to be subject to different you know, um, parking enforcement rules. Um, so, um, and then of course the ongoing, um, you know, conversation around um, enforcement of existing laws, existing rules, um, and ongoing if there are other projects, um, how we can better communicate between our communities um, again, small businesses, there are people who ride transit, there are people who park, there are people, like we're not all just cast in one bucket, right? We all play different roles throughout the day. Maybe it's, um, again, driver at night, maybe muni rider by day, um, a biker in the afternoon, whatever it is. So um, I think we hear over and over again that MTA just marches forward with these decisions without any input because you don't actually technically need it, but it would be great to, um, to you know, you're welcome to reach out to us and we can share with you who these merchant groups are and have that conversation before these decisions are rolled out publicly. So all that to say, we're happy to collaborate um, mm -hmm. and have that dialogue. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Yeah, Director Graff, I, I wanna thank you. I know we had some difficult questions, um, but we're your ally. Like. You know me, I'm a native, Tiff is a native, there's a lot of Frisco people. Our kids are gonna be here, our grandkids are gonna be here. We could work with you. Parking is a city asset, it belongs to us and our future generations. Holler at us, work with us, we could help you. You know, what works in Chinatown won't work in the sunset, won't work in the mission. I, I'm multi-generational, so I gotta take my grandma, my kids, everybody, I can't hop on the bus. However, my aunt's here from New York, guess what she's taking right now? The bus, right? So like, we with you, we're not against you, we are an ally. So please, the people here, we're here to support you and, and make your difficult job, if we could like alleviate anything of it, we would try, seriously, because we're here for you. Great, I appreciate that. Yeah, um, I think that's pretty much what we have, but we would definitely like to continue this conversation, continue this re relationship, I think. And um, and yeah, I mean, we are small business owners, so we're used to dealing with budgets, <laughs> used to figuring out how to make things work and being very resourceful with, um, you know, how to, how to get things done. So 
um, definitely I encourage you to take advantage of, of all of us as well as like the, the reach that we have in our communities for both residents as well as community um, leaders. So thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Thank you all commissioners for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. And hearing no other comments, um, next item please. Item three, Board of Supervisors, file 220437, existing on amnesty program, discussion and action item. The commission will hear and possibly take action on an ordinance amending the building and planning codes to create a temporary amnesty program for unpermitted awnings that streamlines the application process to legalize awnings, waive applicable fees, fees and confers legal non-conforming status for awnings that do not comply with the planning code. I believe Director Tang is going to review this item with you all and then you can make a, um, a recommendation. Thank you, Director Tang. All right, so you've heard a lot uh, from me probably about this uh, awning MC program, which uh, we collaborated uh, with uh, Department Building Inspection, Planning Department, um, on and so uh, the legislation that was introduced um, and will be heard by the Board of Supervisors uh, one would create this temporary amnesty program uh, for existing unpermitted awnings so just for background um, uh, recently there was someone who had made some anonymous complaints against businesses for having awnings up that weren't um, put up with a permit a proper permit so there are approximately 200 of those complaints um, outstanding right now so this program creates a pathway for people um, who both um, received maybe a notice of violation maybe received a complaint or didn't but they have an existing awning um, without a permit that they can participate in this um, so the legislation would also waive the permit and inspection fees uh, for those, again, with the um, el uh, eligible existing awnings. Uh, they must submit applications before June 1st of 2024 for the fee waivers to apply. And um, also just a reminder for everyone that every year in the month of May during Small Business Month, um, you can also apply for um, permits for your awnings and the permit fees would be waived. Um, currently it applies to ex uh, replacement awnings, but under new legislation from Supervisor and Guardio, if you're installing a new one, uh, it'll also qualify as well. Uh, this will um, also require Department Building Inspection to develop a streamlined application process for the expedited review of permits during this amnesty program. So under a typical process, uh, you would need to hire a contractor or a sign installer, and they would need to produce some drawings um, for you in order to even submit your building application. So under this temporary amnesty program, uh, you would just need to um, submit some photos um, and uh, incorporate the dimensions and there's a sample online and as long as you follow that um, that is how you get your permit through the process so that makes it um, again a lot simpler for people um, it'll also allow the planning department to sign off on the building permit for an existing awning or sign even if the awning is non a non-complying structure or non-conforming use so in other words it doesn't meet planning code requirements that they have for signage um, if you can demonstrate that you've already had your awning up um, um, effective as of the effective date of this program um, you can qualify or be eligible for this planning department sign off um, and you can demonstrate via photos or Google Maps or other documentation. 
Um, now, I will just warn that if um, you're going through this process and then they find, uh, DBI in particular, finds that your awning is not code compliant structurally uh, because it might pose some sort of um, safety issue, then you will have to go through the regular process, meaning you will have to hire a contractor, sign installer, you will have to submit the drawings with your permit application. That's all just to ensure um, safety since these are um, items that are hanging from buildings. Um, however, the permit fee would uh, permit fee waiver would still apply. Um, and then lastly and most importantly, uh, this ordinance would waive DBI and planning department enforcement fines and penalties. Uh, we do know that people are businesses that received these complaints or notice of violations have been feeling very anxious and nervous about this, um, understandably so. So, um, so those um, enforcement, again, fines and penalties will be waived uh, under this program. So uh, we are aware that DBI will be sending a letter, uh, if not already, to all properties that have received either complaint or notice of violation, so they're aware of this amnesty program. And of course, if businesses aren't sure um, about uh, whether their awning was installed with a permit or not, maybe they you know, inherited this awning, uh, they can always um, contact our office and we're happy to help um, look that up. So people can call our office at um, 628-652-4949 Again, that's 628-652-4949 or email us at sfosb at sfgov.org. So uh, that's the summary of the ordinance and happy to answer any questions. Commissioner Herbert. Thank you. That sounds really promising. Um, and so I guess I wanna just, just clarify that during the month of May, um, it, there's a temporary amnesty program, even if you want to apply for a new awning? Um, sorry, I probably shouldn't have confused the two programs. So the amnesty program applies to if you have an existing awning and you don't think you've pulled a permit uh, in the past or you know you haven't pulled a permit in the past, um, we would encourage you to go through that program. Now, every year during the month of May, though, however, if let's say you just you know, you already have permits, um, you didn't get a notice of violation, you didn't get a complaint, but maybe you want to replace your awning because it's um, looking tired, or maybe you want to install a new one because you don't have one. The month of May is when you can qualify for a fee waiver um, through the city during Small Business Month. And what is the typical fee? So it really depends on what kind of sign um, you're gonna install, but um, I'll just say when we went through an example of a new installation in Glen Park, <laughs> um, and we um, helped someone through the whole journey of a new installation, the fees for both the permits and for the installation was a total of roughly five to $6,000. But again, this is just one example. Every building is different, mm -hmm. every sign's different. So um, it could be, yeah, I don't want you to, just say, oh, it's going to be five or six thousand. It could, it could be less than that too, or more. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Gregory. Sorry, I'm new to this, so um, I'm just trying to understand. So, if you opening up a storefront, right? On so, I'm, actually, I was surprised you even had to get a permit for the awnings. But so, if you're opening up a store, is there somewhere that? is like a list, like you have to get a permit for an awning? 
Yeah, so we have found that most people don't know that they have to get a permit for it, or maybe they went into a shop and it already has a structure. And so they didn't even realize, even to just change out the canopy, for example, that you actually need a permit for that too. Um, so there's both the DBI side for the structure as well as the signage um, under planning department. So um, yeah, I'll say that for the most part, a lot of people don't know that they've had to pull permits. Um, or maybe some people, they meet the structural requirements because they've hired a contractor who knows what they're doing. And so they, they're, they're compliant, they just don't have a permit on record. So um, the May, the special fee waiver program in May was actually designed to bring awareness to that and to let people know that you actually do need a permit and that if you wanna pull one, um, you apply, uh, if you want to submit an application for a permit, that we're gonna try to help you during the special month. Um, but I, I'm sorry, I think my question is like, when you're opening up a store, right? Is there on that paper like you need a permit to get an awning there that is, they're just overlooking or so when you open a store you, you have to chances are you're probably going to file for a building permit application and um, I should say this there are different checklists for different types of businesses and so it's not always said that you need to have an awning but now um, last year our office started um, two new positions which is they are small business permit specialists who help people through the permitting journey. So through that, they are advising everyone of all the different requirements that we can possibly be aware of. Um, for example, if it's awnings, permits, or even if it's accessibility requirements, uh, we are trying to advise people upfront that that's what they need. Um, but there are certainly many existing businesses who may not be aware of it um, and maybe don't come to our office for help. So um, I'll say there isn't one neat place for checklists because it really depends on what you're doing with your business. Thank you. I have one more question. Um, so let's say somebody's awning doesn't meet the safety requirements. Is there something that will help them help with that five or $6,000 fee? Because that's not really the permit, right? I mean, you have to pay a contractor to draw up the drawings, which is a fee. Is there something to help them with all the fees or it's just the permit? So that's a great question. Um, so OEWD has a program called SF Shines. Uh, it's a very popular program, but essentially you can be, um, if you are eligible um, and you get accepted uh, into that program, you can receive up to $5,000 worth of design services. Um, so maybe dr someone helps you do the drawings. Um, and then also there's a, a track for construction. So you can also receive a reimbursement up to $5,000. And so that is how um, some people are able to get their permits and their um, awnings installed um, through that program. That's great, thank you. Um, just for clarification, like a painted sign on a window does that require a permit? Do you know? I think that requires planning department review. Um, I don't know if it requires a permit, but um, I think that most likely, yes. You probably have to let somebody know that you're painting Because they look at font size and how much of your windows might be covered. Yeah. Um, so planning department does look at that. So would the best course for that be to reach out to our office or to planning? Yeah. Um, either way, if you want to go directly to planning department, you certainly can. They have guides um, out there around their signage requirements. But if people want an advocate throughout their entire journey for permitting or just want our wraparound support at the Office of Small Business, they can always contact us too. Okay, because I've seen the guides. I just wasn't sure what that end 
thing is? Like, is there a sign off or is there like a, you know, yes, you're in compliance, mm -hmm. like with the, with, with the coverage? Yes. Yeah. So they'll be reviewing and they should be signing off on something. Okay. Um, any other comments right now? Um, I just wanted to add to <laughs> thank you so much, Executive Director Tang and um, Carrie, for all of this legwork on trying to help support all of our businesses. I know many of them, you know, there, there's a great deal of frustration um, in the community over this piece, and there's a lot of finger pointing and speculation and all these things, and you really, you know, went through this whole thing just to be able to help all of these businesses get through it. And I know you've listened to many stories over and over and over again, and um, and you've talked to individual businesses as well as corridors and, and things like that. And it's it, this one little thing turned out to be a months-long <laughs> process of negotiation. So... Um, I just wanted to recognize the incredible amount of work that you've done to try to help small businesses through this piece. So, you know, as we all complain about City Hall, I just want to recognize that this is also City Hall. And, um, and you know, City Hall is it's vast and diverse, and, and sometimes it doesn't get things right, but sometimes they do. And there's been a lot of um, really incredible things that y you both have done during the time that you've been here, including, you know, the permit specialists and so many other things. So I just want to thank you for um, for all that you've put into things and the opportunities that you see for us. So thank you. Um, any public comment? Is there any public comment in the room? None. There's uh, no public comment online. I feel like people should call in just to thank you guys. What was what's going on? <laughs> okay, I see I see one from Janet. Janet, it's giving you big thumbs up. <laughs> that should be when people call in. Where is where is everyone? Well, okay, thank you so much. And seeing no public comment, um, item is closed. Next item, please. Uh, would you like to entertain a motion to support or? Oh, it's a motion. Oh, okay. Because this is going Sorry. through through the Board of Supervisors, so if you guys want to weigh in. Oh, here, Commissioner Herbert would like to weigh in. <laughs> to, su to support the awning program? Yes, I'm weighing in to support the awning program. <laughs> are, you, are you moving? Do we? Yes, I'm making a move to support the awning program. Uh, any Do second? I have a second? Oh. I'll second. Motion by Commissioner Herbert, seconded by Commissioner Carter. I'll read the roll. Commissioner Carter? Yes. Commissioner Dickerson is absent. Uh, Commissioner Gregory? Yes. Commissioner Herbert? Yes. President Huey? Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena? Yes. And Vice President Zazunas? Yes. Motion passes. Yay. <laughs> In Thank support. You. Um, item four, approval of draft meeting minutes. This is a discussion and action item. The commission will discuss and possibly take action to approve the May 8th, 2023 draft meeting minutes. Commissioners, any comments? Seeing no comments, public comment? Any public comment in the room? None online? Seeing no public comment, um, public comment is closed. 
Does somebody want to make a motion to accept the the draft meeting minutes? I'll make a motion to support. Uh, any second? <laughs> I'll second. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> motion by Commissioner Carter, seconded by Commissioner Herbert. Um, I'll read the roll. Commissioner Carter. Yes. Commissioner Dickerson's absent. Commissioner Gregory. Yes. Commissioner Herbert. Yes. President Huey. Yes. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Yes. And Vice President Zizunas. Yes. Motion passes. Great. Next item. Item six, general public comment. This is a discussion item allowing members of the public to comment generally on matters that are within the Small Business Commission's jurisdiction, but not on today's calendar, and suggest new agenda items. Any members of the public who would like to make comment on items not on the agenda today? Uh, there are none. Uh, any on the line or no? None online. Okay, public comment is closed. Next item, please. Item seven, director's report. This is a discussion, update and report on the Office of Small Business Department Programs, uh, announcements from the mayor and announcements regarding small business activities. Oh, Director Tang. All right, thank you, commissioners. So um, just wanna um, acknowledge um, our team at the Office of Small Business uh, as we wrapped up SF Small Business Week. Um, I know it was a lot of work for everyone to um, promote activities happening in commercial corridors, organize events. Um, it was a great week uh, full of celebration, so just wanted to acknowledge um, our staff uh, for their work on that. Um, secondly, wanted to share with you all a new way where people can report commercial vacancies in the city. So I know that this commission has brought this up a couple of different times. Um, so a new website was developed, um, and it was in collaboration with 311 and the Treasurer and Tax Collector's Office. And uh, the page or the link is actually hosted on uh, the Treasurer and Tax Collector's Office. So um, if you wanted to report something, I can um, certainly um, share out the link to everyone in an email. Uh, but essentially, the reports that will be generated will be sent over to um, our office. So we will have um, um, that uh, information. Um, and then there's still ways uh, where you can report through 311. Um, vandalism or blight associated with a commercial vacancy as well for case management and follow-up. So those will still exist and that will exist on the 311 app, but the way for you to report just a, simply a commercial vacancy with no case um, request attached would only be through the website. So I just want to clarify that. Um, so I just want to thank um, 311 and TTX for um, helping to get that page up relatively quickly. Um, and so we can share that out with uh, different community groups in case they wanted to um, help report to commercial vacancies. Um, and then just coming up um, for Merchant Walks, we'll continuing our outreach. Um, this week, we're gonna go out to Third Street. Um, actually, it'll be my second time going out there officially in this role. Um, just to, there's so much um, amazing things that have happened on Third Street in that corridor. A lot of new business openings, so we felt like it was a due time for us to go back. Um, and we'll also be out in the financial district over at Battery Bridge area as well. Um, last week we were out on Valencia Street and Sacramento Street as well the week prior. Um, always love getting out and, and talking to business owners, hearing about the issues that they're um, dealing with or just hearing about how well they're doing in these neighborhoods. So um, again, welcome any of you to join if you'd ever like um, to come out on these merchant walks um, 
And I'm keeping it short today, so that's, that's it for the updates. Happy to answer any questions. Commissioner Ortiz. I just, you triggered um, Third Street Commercial Quarter. Man, they doing it. They lit. They live. Like, we need to duplicate whatever they're doing out there. It's like, just even the optics of it, they don't have that many vacancies, and it's cracking. When you talk thirsty, you know I gotta say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean I love to see so many small businesses opening, but I do I am concerned with the foot traffic. Like like I don't know, it's not as visible to me. So I would love to see how those businesses are doing and, and what we can do to make sure that they actually stay open and uh, and are actually thriving in the corridor. Um, one of the things that I had maybe I had mentioned to Carrie before was like I would love to see like a map like a Google map or something of all the places that you've been to so far because I feel like it would be so cool I mean you have really covered so much of the city and I think it would it would feel good too to see how how many places you've actually been to and which areas and things like that so um I'm offering. What we can time. do. Yeah. Okay. You could even create an app, right? Huh? Create an app. Where's Director Tang? Where's Director Tang? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. I I don't have any other questions. Does anybody have any questions in regards to this? I think we all. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just want to say I went to the small business pop-up and it was really awesome. Mm -hmm. I found a new beer vendor and I found a muralist for a project that I'm working on and I just kind of said, oh, I'm going to stop by and check it out and it was really awesome. So I'd say we do more of those. So thank you for putting that together. Yeah, yeah we need that more than once a year. Is it twice a year? It is twice a year during the holidays, so in December, as well as May during Small Business Month. And this year we had, I think, four, uh, sorry, half of the vendors were new this year. Yeah, it was great. The activities were wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, any public comment? There is none. Seeing no public comment, public comment is closed. Next item, please. Item eight, commissioner discussion and new business. This is a discussion item allowing the president, vice president, and commissioners to report on recent small business activities and make announcements. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. Last Monday, um, our ambassador program during the, along the mission quarter was initiated. So um, me and some of the staff from um, the nonprofit I work with we we've been following up so they've been reaching out to community to some of the small merchants so it's in it's an infancy stage so I don't have too much report but it's it's initiated and we're excited um, to have that I mean there's a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed and worked on in the mission commercial quarter for our small businesses so, so that's really welcomed um, another thing I, I met with some attorneys and they wanted to potentially maybe meet with the city attorney regarding ADA lawsuits here in the city. 
and if possible, maybe study case law and see if federally, if there can be a notification prior to the actual litigation. So not a waiving of the mitigating circumstances, but if they could at least get 30 days like advisory and an opportunity to mitigate the complaints, then those legal fees can be implemented into mitigation as opposed to the frivolous lawsuits. So he wants to know if we can explore that with the city attorney, if that's even possible under federal law. So that, that's just something, you know, a couple of attorneys brought up to my attention regarding that. And then Glecha is here and just, you know, every second Tuesday, the activation of 24th Street Bar Plazas, I think last Friday, you guys had a mechanical bull. So like, it's lit. Um, <laughs> we work with all the city agencies, even DPW was doing an amazing job. DPW was doing an amazing job. <laughs> so that's on record. Um, but it just, um, Every second Friday activation, we do you know a lot of small vendors that are non-competing with the commercial, with the brick and mortar, so please, please come every second Friday. Usually the events start at 6 p.m. We have low riders, we have some kind of event. It's very kid-friendly, you know. Either we have ponies, swans, reindeers, you know, I always mention it, but please, because it really does help um, bring activation to the corridor. So we appreciate everybody that comes out. So thank you. We had reindeers. I had never seen reindeers. We brought reindeers to the hood. Vice President Zizunis. Thank you. Um, I actually kind of had a follow-up addendum question to the vacancy um, support, commercial vacancy support work that, that our office and partners are doing. Are we waiting? Like, I know that we had talked about a part of it as you guys were going to help triage potential like placements as part of this is that going to come after we get like a good amount reported or like how does that piece gonna work and um that's like my first question how we can like get in, you know involved with that and how that piece is going to work uh, it's all the work is already happening so with our new commercial vacancy manager we're constantly all of us you know, when we're encountering businesses, whether it's someone looking to expand or someone who's newly trying to start in a brick and mortar mm -hmm. um, location and looking for a space, or maybe they had a business challenge at their current location and they absolutely need to move and downsize, whatever it is, they come in through our office through multiple channels, whether through mm -hmm. our permit specialists, whether through our counselors at City Hall. Um, and that work, it's been really instrumental um, to have our commercial vacancy position. So um, Iris is the person who we hired in January and already um, has been helping out with lease negotiations, helping tour spaces with businesses and pointing out different features or um, that would be appropriate for the business model. So um, yeah, the work has, has been happening and it's, um, I, I would say it's it's been super, super valuable. <laughs> That's great. Um, thank you for educating me a little bit more on that, that kind of triage. I, I ask because um, I know a lot of times small property owners have a hard time trying to find tenants. Um, and, you know, the bigger, the commercial brokers are usually for the big guys. And so there's, there's definitely a skill gap in terms of procuring um, businesses for s small property owners so I think this is definitely something we should share with like that community 
um, if they on on the landlord side can also like participate in this and be like, hey, office of small business, can you guys keep this in your registry that this is like an open vacancy? Like, are you guys taking those types of outreaches too? So we have um, so we have been developing um, a listing of all the commercial vacancies, mm -hmm. um, and so as part of that process, you could see who the property owner or the broker is. Mm -hmm. um, and so whenever we think that there might be a good match, we're reaching out um, to the various parties wow. um, to help out. And also, I should mention that um, Iris is also a licensed broker um, by training, and so. Um, there's an added benefit. Um, it's not just about managing a vacancy registry. Mm -hmm. It's, um, like I mentioned, being able to tour spaces and That's look at so your cool. lease agreements. Um, so it's really multiple services in one, which has been really wonderful. That's huge. Um, if we can help you get the word out about this in any way, um, let us know. And um, I also ask because our the merchant group, my, my family's business is part of one of our like, partner is Mercy Housing, and um, Mercy Housing is an example of uh, projects that are also like publicly, you know, they, they're city funded to a degree so that they have to go through an RFP to get a commercial leasee in there, which I, th I think is an interesting um, conflict because for for Mercy Housing that, you know, they're having a hard time, as an example, like they're having a hard time finding businesses that way because small businesses aren't used to looking for something from the government to, to find a space. So um, just wanted to understand what like commercial RFPs look like from the city and like if there's um, restrictions around like how they're advertised or like how to get those out to small business communities and if that is also something that this, our commercial vacancy program can help with? So I'm not as familiar with the MOHCD RFPs, yeah. but um, some of the ones that have come across our desk include, for example, the SFPUC building, and they have a cafe space yeah. below, or um, City Hall even has mm -hmm. a cafe space in the uh, basement. So once we get a hold of those RFPs, we have been pushing them out um, via social media or newsletters mm -hmm. that we send out. Um, and so that's how we try our best to spread the word. And then, of course, you know, there are the, the city regulations around how you advertise, where mm -hmm, you advertise, mm -hmm. et cetera. Okay. That's really helpful. Thank you. Commissioner Gregory. Um, new to this. Um, so I do have uh, some concerns. and. It is what uh, Commissioner Dickerson said last meeting and Commissioner Carter, that it's great that all these small businesses are coming into San Francisco and there's like this big outreach to get more. But I'm so concerned, and I find this on the LBE side and the micro LBE side especially, is that the ones that are barely surviving as it is, what is that support, right? Like how do we support them to stay open like you know as you know a restaurant is like what two years is really questionable if they're going to stay open that long um so i think i don't even know where to go with this i'm just thinking out loud is that like i hear it all the time like especially the micro lbes they're so mad when they're like oh we have 10 new micro lbes coming in and these companies are barely surviving um, so that's a big concern of mine. Is like, how are we supporting them to stay open? 
that. And then with the whole Mercy housing, um, it's great to know that they have uh, RFPs for commercial spacing. But what would it look like, like if there is, like Commissioner Dickerson was saying last, last meeting, that she is looking to expand, right? But sometimes when you're in a certain neighborhood, what would it look like if Mercy Housing did take a restaurant that was like from the Bayview and now they're giving them a better deal with their rents for their space? Like how can we support those kind of companies to get like, wouldn't it be better negotiation with rent if it's like through um, the federal government? I don't know, I'm just talking out loud, but that's what I know, um, Mission Rock, same thing, right? Mission Rock, they're having a whole bunch of commercial space. But what would it look like to take like a restaurant from Mission or the Bayview and put them in such a different area to help grow their business? That's it, that's my concerns, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Carter? Yes, I think I'm in agreement with Commissioner Gregory. Like, how can we, the city, incentivize these big companies to, to do business and support um, small businesses, um, especially minority and BIPOC small businesses who are already struggling in a lot of ways and who are also discriminated against from getting retail space. So I would love to see the city step in and, and incentivize um, with Mercy Housing, Mission Bay, and all of these people that's doing business in San Francisco. And also saying, hey, you know, come do business in San Francisco. Just how we incentivize tech to come here and do business, I think we should be doing that in the business for small business owners. Um, I have a couple of things. One is um, the permit process for, um, for food and market vending. I was wondering, I know we've talked about this in the past, but like, is there a way for us to do kind of like an annual permit versus a per event permit? Um, you know, fee, I think now that we're having more um, street activations, um, we're just finding that like a lot of our vendors would say yes more readily if their if their fees were already covered through an annual permit versus being kind of having you know in the situation right now where they have to pay per and then they are then weighing out like well do I want to try this new activation because mm, I may not be able to even make up you know the the permitting fees even if the booth fees are waived so um, I think that's my question in response to all these new activations that just don't have the revenue um, you know, historical revenues to be able to um, justify perhaps somebody trying it out. Um, it's definitely on our radar. I've, I've flagged the idea of an annual permit um, okay. a couple times, yeah. Okay, yeah, and there's, you know, the there's multiple people who um, are also championing that. Um, also, thinking about, like, um, foot traffic and, like, is there a way that should we maybe be in conversation with like BART or other people to recover regional traffic? Like are there ways that small businesses and our transit agencies can talk more about how to get people to come to small business corridors? I know SFMTA has kind of like, um, you know, mitigation uh, outreach people. And um, instead of 
thinking about it in terms of mitigation, can we be in conversation with them and say, hey, um, we would love people from the East Bay, from the peninsula, like whoever to come in, are there op you know, promotional opportunities for us to be able to work together to get people moving? The same with um, other places for our residents to go. I know Oakland is like a really popular place for people to go for um, arts and food and, um, and things like that. So I think I've talked to other commissioners from other cities and there's like an appetite to get people moving around regionally. So maybe is there an opportunity for us to be a part of those conversations? Um, the other thing that I'm noticing in my neighborhood for Clement Street is that we have a very robust farmer's market there. The Sunday farmer's market draws in about 7,500 people every Sunday. <laughs> it's a crazy amount of people. And what we're finding is that, so they're going through, um, they're, they're trying to extend it one more block. Right now it's from Arguello to 4th, and they'd like to extend it from 4th to 5th. And you know, I'm asking that they do really robust outreach. And some of that outreach is um, for, you know, for businesses that are like some of the Chinese markets that are further along Clement Street. And so we've, they've been, you know, uh, the farmer's market has been really helpful in, in shaping that outreach and really responsive and wanting to do what's best for our commercial, commercial corridor. So I really do appreciate that. What, what I was noticing is that oftentimes businesses, because I did my own survey for our merchants, and some people are like, you know, even though this activation is here, we're not seeing an uptick in business. And I think we see that in a lot of corridors where people feel put out by activations. And when the reality is, is that you're seeing 7,500 people to 10,000 people coming on any given day to this activation, why are we not seeing an uptick in your small business? So, you know, I'm wondering if our office can kind of, um, help close that gap a little bit for some of these businesses and um, you know, figure out if there are ways that we can just help people figure out how to advocate for themselves. Like maybe it's like putting out an A-frame, maybe it's a special, maybe it's like, you know, but what are some ways that we can help businesses um, really take advantage of these activations so that we don't feel like it's a, a struggle, you know, each time to say like, please, can we, can we do this? Because we know that this is going to bring life back into our city. And I would love for everybody to be able to take part of that. Um, Commissioner Carter? Yeah, I think I'm just curious, like, are we actually talking to Oakland? Um, I think it's, <laughs> I mean, being a San Francisco Bay Area native that Oakland is actually thriving and San Francisco is not. Like, what's going on? Like, what's the, what's going on? So we're in Oakland, like what notes can we take that's, you know, obviously, I mean, I see the restaurant scene up there is like really thriving, like, so I'm just curious, like, are we actually looking in to see what's going on in their neighborhoods that we can bring to San Francisco and not just Oakland, but like just. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Ortiz Cartagena. They probably don't have meter parking after six. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but, um, Commissioner, here you triggered something I forgot to ask. Um, Department of Public Health around um, MMH. I know you were single events, but like the state legislation around MMF, mobile food permitting, 
I know it's changed and they were gonna present eventually to us, like what that is. Have they followed up with us? There's, you triggered, so I have to, mm -hmm. before I- I think yes. they're still internally um, figuring out what that looks like and they have to actually like adopt the state um, regulations into our code. And so there's sort of this long, pro I'm learning this too, like sort of long process of how state law makes its way into um, local jurisdictions and my understanding is that they're still working on like internally that language with city attorneys and what that looks like but I okay. have I have told them that we do want an, an update as soon as they're ready to go public with, with I just their, for the right their materials mm -hmm. going back to what you said so the activation and captivating that audience uh, you know we we haven't gotten it completely right you know on 24th Street because we bring in about 2,000 people not as big but um, one of the things we did have to look really and honest is making sure like the vendors are not competing. So like we didn't have any pupusas, tacos, you know, um, but it's hard because then it, it's really like you have to really get in the weeds to like vet what are you vending, you know, is this going to, and it's still not, we don't have it down to a science. Um, another thing we did was like QR coding. So our collateral is just a QR code and then the vendor list. So we promote the small businesses along the corridor at these events. I think we could do a better job, like really focus, like you gotta shop here, like buy a pupusa, right? But at least we try to incorporate it. But even then, you know, some is hit and miss. You know, sometimes the taqueria balls out and sometimes it doesn't. And it's weird, because why? Why some events the taqueria does, you know, 100% more gross receipts and on some, we still haven't figured out. So, I mean, I think we could work mm -hmm. in tandem and, and see how we could figure this out. I think so. I mean, I think part of it is demographic data, right? Having our activations kind of give some demographic data if it's something that's been done before. And then, yeah, I think figuring out some of those nuances because I feel like having so many people come on one day, we should all be, you know, like we should all be okay with that. Like having it work out so um, I think education probably mm -hmm. I think if people knew how many people were actually there that would be a big boost like that would probably be an incentive for people to stay open that day or to do something so part of it is maybe just encouraging more activation more outreach and I think um, with these like especially the ones at the city you know, has a hand in or the ones that we individually have a hand in, like we can encourage like maps like that, right? Like how to in engage with the small business corridors and maybe we just have more conversation around it. Yeah, that'd be dope. Um, that also brings about like the idea of scaling. I think there's a lot of like businesses who are, you know, pretty solid in our corridors, but they maybe haven't thought about scaling or they don't know how to scale their business into like a second location. I think as we're looking at downtown activations and other activations, having some workshops or education on how to scale your business into these programs would be helpful. So that like, cause I mean, a lot of times you wouldn't, maybe you just don't think about like how, how you could enter the downtown market. So, um, and I think, oh, the other piece about transit was, I'm very curious about, you know, I know um, small business has um, had, is impacted by transit, 
and I would like to see if we can pursue um, understanding that landscape from a small business perspective and having small businesses kind of lead our own um, path, you know, kind of similar to the survey from San Francisco State that we've done on small business and the COVID impacts. I'd like to pursue maybe, um, like to pursue the impact of transit changes from a small business perspective. Um, I think those are pretty much the things that I had on my list. I probably have a, a bunch more, but we can talk about those things <laughs> another time. <laughs> Any other comments from the commission? No? Okay, great. Um, I guess any public comment? Are there any public commenters in the room? Online, you can press star three. Seeing none. Seeing no public comment, item is closed. Next item, please. Item nine, adjournment, SFGovTV, please show the Office of Small Business slide. We will end with a reminder that the Small Business Commission is the official public forum to voice your opinions and concerns about policies that affect the economic vitality of small businesses in San Francisco. If you need assistance with small business matters, continue to reach out to the Office of Small Business. Meeting adjourned. <laughs>